the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. And we're back again. Look at us. Look at us. I know. I think this is the thing with lockdown is that we, we're not even our fortnightly show anymore. Our advert, our, our advert that goes out is, is a lie because we're, <laughs> we're just kind of like when we feel like it. <laughs> we haven't got the budget to re-record it. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yes, no, it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind of a week. So it felt like we had to come back and tell you all about it. So um, Ben, what have we been up to? Well, we've got our review of The Merry Wives of Windsor and mm-hmm. their, their, how they make their merry way. We've also got our review of Henry the Fifth. I keep trying I mean, to say. We keep trying to say Henry the V. I'm looking at my notes, and it's so difficult not to say Henry V. <laughs> Although I believe that is how you know, like the you know they refer to it. As oh, the, is it because you're not supposed to like say Macbeth, and you're not supposed to like? Just you're not so supposed to say Macbeth in the theatre. I don't know. Anyway, the cool kids say V, so it's all right. Uh, but yes, yeah, so reviews of those shows, which are still running at the uh, Open Air Theatre, um, the the Roman Theatre on Blue House Hill. Uh, details of how to get tickets in the show notes for those. Um, but we also spoke to local um, playwright um, and producer Joe Emery, um, who is revisiting a play that she put on earlier this year at the Maltic Theatre called Rough Sleeper, um, something she wrote herself, but is now... You may remember my review of it on the previous and, podcast. Indeed, and Ben, so please feel free to look back at our conversations previously, but it's interesting to speak to her about how she's kind of revisiting it and the relevance of it in the kind of the COVID era, you know, the kind of how current situation has influenced and and kind of enabled or kind of you know really made that play potentially even more relevant than than before with themes of kind of loss and loneliness and job instability mm. you know and homelessness right because the government just said like we can't have homeless people out on the street this is like a public health crisis so they just ended homelessness for a bit and that's it but then what happens at the end of yeah. homelessness homelessness ended so yes um a, a bumper packed week um so let's get stuck in and Let's tell you what we thought of the, the shows that we got the privilege of seeing this week. Let's dive in. So it's time for our first review uh, for this week's podcast. And the first show that we went to see was Merry Wives of Windsor, um, put on by OVO as part of um, the Morton Theatre open air festival that's happening, still happening until Monday the 31st. So still time to get your tickets. Um, so what can I tell you? Hopefully you had the interview with um, Adam Nichols on our last week's, uh, sorry, last time's episode of the podcast. Um, Ovo never does uh, Shakespeare in a straight way, so we knew there was going to be differences. So Merry Wives of Windsor set in the 80s um, um, with a bit of a musical twist to it. Um, now, as you know, if you listen often, I don't really like musicals, but I do quite enjoy the way that Ovo does musical Shakespeare. So it's a bit of a bittersweet thing I want to say I don't like it but I do um I'm going to start first of all with the set I mean if you haven't been to see something at the Roman theatre you absolutely need to go it's a it's just an incredible venue um especially knowing that you're kind of you are literally sitting in a Roman amphitheatre you're sitting where people historically would have been you know watching the shows watching things going on and so it is just automatically very atmospheric um staging sort of a temporary stage is set up and it was set up with um kind of a I guess a stage within a stage um set up there so that you could kind of I guess see 
where the band was going to be um, front and centre. So the spirit of wantonness, which if you've seen the play, being wanton is is a huge part of the context. So, um, you know, loved seeing all of that. And, and the 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 inn from the original was, was then a burger van uh, kind of set up to the side. So it gave a real kind of 80s festival vibe to it. And of course, the whole area was used. Um, you know, we had Falstaff, who's this kind of aging rocker, appeared for the first part, like up on the hills. So it was a really kind of dramatic entrance. Um, and it was it was just great. I think I wanted to give a shout out, especially to um, local costume designer Lizzie Thompson, who was involved in in making the shows. And if you sort of follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of those platforms, you'll have seen she's been sharing some of the sketches that she did. Um, and I I love the fact that we have this local talent that we're using, and you can see so much of the concept through to the reality. Looking at the show itself. Um, I just thought, you know, again, the music was was spot on. It was, uh, you know, it was really kind of some of the songs were really cleverly done. I did feel for um, Isabel as she uh, was was taking her, her place as, as Stella quickly. And one of her jobs was to kind of interrogate an audience member and, you know, ask them what they did as a job. And it kind of led to this like Dolly Parton nine to five number going on. Um, but a girls just want to have fun. You know, it was, it was upbeat. It was pop. It was, it was just entertaining. Um, and the characters within, you know, really clever, as I said, you know, Falstaff positioned as this, um, kind of an aging rocker who, you know, really wanted the ladies love and, um, and and you kind of you really got that sort of feel. I I really enjoyed um David Widowson playing um playing his character when um he was playing as Frank Ford and then he took on this kind of American persona when he was going undercover, which was just it, it was very funny and I you know, I just thought it was it was quite clever and um and that one just yeah had me had me giggling away. Um I think as well, you know, the the casual relationship between um, George Page and his wife um, was just lovely and casual. And um, and actually, I mean, it was kind of funny, actually, because I was thinking that almost the, the characterisation of George Page um, and Alice Ford really almost reminded me of, of like, Boise and Marlene uh, from Only Falls and Horses, if you're familiar with that. I mean, they're not as interacting as a couple, but just their sort of, their, their glamour and their, their way they came across on um, on the stage. I mean, all in all, you know, shout out as well to um, over-regular Anna, who, Anna Franklin, who just brought her usual kind of just flair to the scene. It was just... It was just great. You know, if you want to get back to theatre, if you've missed theatre, Merry Wives of Windsor, just a, a lovely 90-minute, pure, you know, grinning from ear to ear, just enjoying it, toe-tapping, brilliant fun. So absolutely, you know, well done to absolutely everyone, um, the whole cast and crew, and get down there and, and watch it. Hello, I'm Simon Carver. Join me and Danny Smith on our new podcast, The St Albans Film Guide. Each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema, the top ten, new releases, and also what's on TV over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels. Now, if you want to find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. So that's The Film Guide with me, Simon Carver, part of The St Albans Podcast in association with The Hearts Advertiser. Hi, it's Susie here. I am joined uh, virtually by Joe Emery. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Susie. I'm very well. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. It's lovely to see you um, virtually. <laughs> you saying virtually? Um, tell me, Joe. So you've um, you've been busy in lockdown, um, planning for what to do once the theatres or, or open air theatre reopen. Tell me about what you've got planned. Uh, we've got the return of um, the Frost Sleeper, which was the play that we premiered in January at the Maltings um, for three nights. And when the secretary decided that outdoor theatre could return. Um, Obviously, there's there was an opportunity because the play is a monologue and it's perfect for socially distanced performance. Absolutely. So, um, so you're doing it outdoors. Where are you doing it? Doing it at the Inn on the Park for two nights, um, the third and the fourth of September. Brilliant. So outdoors at Inn on the Park. I mean, everyone can sit uh, lounging at their picnic tables, enjoying the the food and drink from the That's inn. Correct. Yeah. And. Oh, fantastic. And so so this is a play that you wrote yourself. Yes, that's correct. Yep, yep, yep. And premiered, as you said, in the Maltings back in January. Have you have you played with the have you toyed with the play at all or is it still as it as it was? Um, for this production we've uh, we've sort of left it as it as it was. Mm -hmm. Um although we have got a different film type version which um we might have to adapt if we, we go to the Active Centre in Covent Garden, which um, we've been asked to do. But oh, wonderful. it depends whether they can schedule us um, for, for the autumn. They said they asked us to, to, to do it before lockdown. Um, but I suspect from what their recent offerings are, they'll we'll probably ask us to film it or do a, a cut down version. So there are two versions, but this is the original version we're doing outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And so tell me a little bit more for those um, of our listeners who, who didn't hear us talk about Rough Sleeper way back in um, sort of January time. Tell us a bit about the play itself. Okay, so it's a man, uh, it's a fictitious story about a man who uh, is ostensibly living in Melbourne. He's about 50. He's, um, he's had an interesting life and he's made a lot of money. He's been very successful. And then uh, his life takes a downward turn through um, grief and death um, and loss and issues that affect, well, a lot of us really, um, but he can't handle it. And so it affects him more profoundly. And so I think that's one of the reasons he ends up falling through the cracks. Yeah. Falling through the, the system uh, cracks, which then means he ends up homeless. Um, so it's it is very tough, it's gritty, but it's also um, poignant and there are some there are some comic moments as well. So it's mm -hmm. not all misery and doom and gloom and it's um it's it was very well received, but um, yeah, I mean there's quite a bit of strong language. I mean it's not like super strong, but there's a there's a couple of swear words. So yeah, people have to be aware it's not parental parental guidance yeah, to be applied. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take your children to see it, no. <laughs> So, so this is a night out, night out for for the grown ups to come and watch. Well, that's okay because then they can enjoy the wine while they're watching. Um, and tell me, so I mean, you've actually done some work with some of the homeless charities, and you've you spent quite a bit of time researching this, didn't you? Yeah, I did. That was quite, um, last year. I spent a few months um, just doing lots of work, as you say, researching. And then I also spent six months working at the local um, open door charity. I was just sort of cooking um, for homeless people once a week and then just chatting to quite a lot of the people there um, who work there not the actual um, 
because we're not really supposed to um, interact too much with them for the mm. reasons. So um, I didn't actually get my research from the people there. I, I, I have to go on online and do other bits of research. So. And also talk to people too. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how, how it works. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks, Joe. We're going to take a little pause um, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more to Joe um, shortly. And now for our second review. So not just one, but two performances um, down at the Roman Theatre for the uh, Open Air Theatre Festival this week. Um, so after 90 Minute Wonder that was Merry Wives of Windsor, I took a little stroll over to the Six Bells, had a nice drink over there while I was, um, I guess, waiting for the scene to be reset. Um, so going back to the Roman Theatre, obviously the um, the contemporary stage was all the same, but it had been, you know, the actual kind of setting of the, the stage had been had been changed so gone was the uh the band and in its place um you know kind of i guess a rough outline of a school classroom you had kind of school looking chairs you had lots of costumes set up um you know for the school play and yeah lots of the 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 kind of the kids are coming in and they were i say kids adults as kids um the, the cast are coming in and taking their places now um you know one of the things that that was kind of interesting about the way this was set is that it was set at the time you were watching it so when I watched it it was 9pm on a Friday night and there was a very clear kind of thank you so much for you know your evening here children and coming in and doing the school rehearsal and so whatever time you see this play it's set literally in that moment and uh, as we know it's a cast um there's a cast of I think 15 and they're playing you know upwards of 32 characters between them and it's it's so it's actually you've got the potential to be very confusing because you've got the same character playing different um, parts. But I think what they managed very, very well was the the really clear differentiation between those characters. Each um, actor, you know, massive kudos to each and every one who so clearly, you know, played those different parts. Um, you know, one um, standout, I think, was for me was uh, Paula Gilmore, who played, um, you know, uh, one of the, the priests early on. She also played um, a character, Alice, and, um, you know, another, um, the sort of the French maid to, um, to Catherine. And so cleverly done you know just just to be you know for each and every one of them it was very clear very clear the sort of differentiations between um each of their different roles and I think that's a, that's a hard thing to achieve also um I think he did that well particularly was Felipe um Pantio who played um you know again three different roles everyone did an excellent job those two just really kind of stood out so the concept of the, the the positioning, I guess, of Henry V is that it's a school play rehearsal. So this is a group of people rehearsing for their school play, which is going to be Henry V. Um, and so many references to modern day. You know, it's not only set in the time, but very COVID aware. So, you know, there's lots of marking of own props. There's lots of spatial awareness that has to happen, which was a really clever tool for, you know, that sort of managing the, the kissing scenes and be like, social distance. Um, so it was it was nicely self-aware in it in itself. Um, I think something that worked really well for me in particular was I, I find the histories 
really hard to follow. Um, I, I find the the storylines, you know, with the the obviously with the Shakespearean language, can be really tricky. And one of the tools that was used within this was, you know, the props cupboard was locked at school that time of night, and so they made use of tennis rackets and um, cricket bats as the weapons for sort of, sort of the fight scene. So you could tell the French soldiers had the tennis rackets, the British soldiers had the cricket bats, and it not only made it much easier to understand what was happening. Actually, it really worked very nicely with the choreography and it looked really, really good in the sort of the very kind of choreographed fight scene, dance fight scenes that took place. Um, the performance I saw was uh, one that got absolutely washed. Uh, we had a massive downpour for probably 60 of the 90 minutes of the show. Uh, huge kudos to the cast who just kept going. Um, and you know, really did a good job. And it must have been incredibly hard with some of the costume changes and really soggy outfits, getting them on and off in, you know, on sort of on top of their clothing. And to the audience as well, huge well done because apparently no, not a single person gave up. Terribly British, uh, you know, hoods on, blankets over, ponchos out, and just sat through. But I think. I feel almost a little grateful because I really think it added the rain. You know, you had the spotlights on the stage. You could see the rain. Um, and particularly when, um, you know, Henry himself or herself, uh, played by Mara Allen, was down on her knees praying um, and, you know, praying for the, the success of the campaign, praying for the soldiers. And it just was so atmospheric to see it in the rain. It really added to it. And you just don't get that kind of genuine drama um, you know, for indoor theatre, and I, I valued it so much, I have to say. Um, I Favourite moment, probably um, the interlude between um, Catherine, uh, you know, French, French princess, I guess, um, who was learning English and asking, you know, what is the what is the English for hand and then sort of, you know, the pronunciation. It was just a very fun, very light interlude to, you know, quite a serious play. And it was managed. It was it was done beautifully. I thought it was a, a really nice kind of interlude to it. And my second favourite has to be at the end when there's a sort of, oh, you know, there was a successful campaign and then Henry VI came along and then, yeah, by the way, we, we lost France again. And one of the students, and forgive me, I've, uh, you know, for forgetting who it was, said, what, we did all that and in the rain and that's how it ends. And you just thought, yeah, <laughs> I definitely get that. And it was it was a lovely light moment. And it was, again, it was very real and to the moment and it involved the audience in a way that that just kind of brought it home and it got a really good chuckle. So I, you know, it was great. It was a really clever adaptation, I thought. Um, and to condense it into 90 minutes and make it very, very watchable, um, you know, very well delivered. So, um, you know, huge thank you to all of the cast um, and to the director, Matthew Parker, as well, for a great show. As we said already, you know, tickets still available. Uh, follow the link on the notes and get your tickets and just get down there and enjoy the theatre. Um, the weather seems to be looking a bit brighter, today at least, so who knows, you might get the sunshine. But if you get the rain... Trust me, just adds to it. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm, and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. 
Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. I'm joined again uh, by Joe Emery, who is telling me all about it's JoJo Productions putting on Rough Sleeper, which is uh, the play that Joe has written herself. So um, we talked a little bit about how you researched the play. Tell me about your writing process. How long did it take you to write the play? Um, about two months of actual writing. Mm. The research was three, and then there was also the the post editing, which was yeah. um, in rehearsal. So. All in all, it's it's kind of the most intense period was like sort of four or five months. And then there was about another month of sort of of snagging issues and tweaking, you know. Yeah. And and (laughs) argy-bargying with with actors. I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) I can imagine all those actors, terrible people. No, no, no. everyone was very um, easy to work with. It was was a nice process. I mean, I was kind of... um, I wasn't aware that this whole COVID situation and social distancing and lockdown was, yeah. nobody knew that. But ironically, it's, um, it's a perfect production for these um, dystopian, um, socially very odd times. Um, but then the home crisis is about people who are socially isolated and socially distanced. Mm. But in that sense, it fits perfectly, it resonates um, perfectly with um, these sort of that a lot of people have been finding themselves isolated, locked down, not um, to any fault of their own. And, um, you know, these are the sort of things that have to do um, on a daily basis. But without a home, without a home of their own, they're, they're just alone. So yeah, absolutely. And I think even even more people are going to be suffering from, you know, loss on a, a big scale and, and loss of jobs and employment. You know, we're, we're really seeing the impacts of that. It's um, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday and the, the government scheme has just started um, to encourage people to go out and eat out and things, you know, which is a great boost. But nonetheless, you know, we are going to be seeing the economic impacts for some time. So I think it's a, you know, especially as you go back um, early September to, to do this, it's going to be, yeah. you know, e- even more, potentially even more relevant than it was in January. Yeah, potentially, yeah. And um, talk to me about the cast. So it is essentially a monologue. Um, and so starring role is Hayden. Um, that's right. Um, and his, now, having seen Hayden work before, um, he's very, very quick at studying lines. Did he just remember all the lines from before or has he had a refresher? Uh, well, he was actually going to um, take the part of Pachuco in Taming of the Shrew in a, a production in France in Germany. Oh, wow. In August. And, of course, he was learning all of those lines in sort of February, March, and then April kind of came along. And it was, I think the people who were organising it in France basically came out and said, we don't think this is going to happen. Wow. Um, get it. So he learned he spent two and a half months learning Pachuco straight away after and that's no mean feat. That's an awful lot of lines. I think it did him good to clear um, the energy out of, of the rough sleeper lines and give him a break. And, and mm. then kind of had a couple of months off and we've started learning lines again this last month. So um, I think it's, it's coming back. But yeah, we've got he's got four weeks to really tighten it up now. <laughs> and, the, and the cameo, uh, so the, the sort of other people that he interacts with, is that is that going to be you? Um, well, I've got three small parts. We just, I just literally walk on, say a few lines, and walk mm-hmm. on. Just gives a break from the monotony of his voice, as 
And then also there's another man, an actor called Andrew Faber, who will also do four other roles. Again, he comes on and it's maybe a minute's worth of dialogue of a different character and a different voice. And um, it just breaks it up. Yeah, you know, it breaks up the, um, the the monologue. Yeah, 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 and gives that sense of the the, the passers by and the interactions that impact on his life. Yeah, well, fantastic. Well, we look forward um, to hearing more about that. Where can we get tickets from? Um, well, I just wanted to make clear that it is a socially distant production, so mm -hmm. everything, all the COVID restrictions and regulations are being followed very clearly. Yeah. The venue is very um, clear about that. We've also decided that to make everything really safe, we've reduced the number of tickets. Um, okay. So instead of the normal 100, 120, which um, you can get at the Ian um, on the Park, yeah. So like one of the normal breakaway productions, for example, um, we've cut it down to like half of that. So it's like 60, 70. And everything will be spaced out in the garden. There's so there's definitely social distancing on. Um, yeah. Well, so I just want everyone to be aware. It's very, very reassuring. Yeah. Um, and uh, the tickets are available um, for that. For the picnic, you have to contact the actual venue. Um, mm -hmm. The tickets are twelve pounds, um, and you can just go on to Eventbrite and search for Rough Sleeper, or you can go to Facebook Jojo Productions and use the links on that. Wonderful. Well, we'll include a link um, to both the picnic to the end of the park and um, to the tickets of Rough Sleeper in the uh, notes for the podcast. So it'd be easy for everyone to find. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe, and telling us about it. We look forward. Uh, it's my turn. Ben came to see this back in January, so it's my turn to come. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming to, to watch the show in September. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Bye. Bye. I'm exhausted. <laughs> you little nap now. I, I'm, um, I'm not used to this this high octane theatre coming at you at such high velocity. It's about a practice, but how wonderful to have been able to go and see uh, not just one but two shows live in person, outdoors. You know, in the glorious uh, August that we are having. You it's know. definitely a way to welcome back the theatre season, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's so funny because I, you know, be, my, my honest thing, and I think I've said this before, is musical theatre is not really my thing. <laughs> um, I'm sure I've mentioned that once or twice already today. Um, but I do enjoy the way people approach taking on Shakespeare a little bit differently. Um, you know, the 80s is my era. I mean, you know, that I enjoyed the musical. Obviously, I wasn't alive then. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, it's been it's been wonderful to see these things. So um, you know, again, as we've mentioned, tickets available. Um, you click on the link in the show description to get tickets to to join in and get out and just do something different. It's so nice to do something different. Um, breaking up the days. If time feels like it's slipping past. <laughs> what day is it? I don't even know what day it is. Don't answer that because it won't be the same day as when someone's listening <laughs> to it. Got one in seven <laughs> chance of it being right. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you to, for joining us again for another edition of the theatre show. If you'd like to get in touch and tell us about uh, anything that you're up to, plays you want us to, to tell everyone about or come and see, then uh, do get in touch. It's Susie at stalkinspodcast.com Or Ben at stalkinspodcast.com Or theatre show at stalkinspodcast.com We're getting better at that from last week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you to the Hearts Advertiser, as always, for your support. And um, we we look forward to coming back at you, hopefully, with so much more about the, the local theatre scene very, very soon. Bye. Bye. The Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Produced in association with the St Albans Podcast. For more St Albans Podcasts, check out stalbanspodcast.com for full details on all the podcasts available and how to subscribe. To get in touch with The Theatre Show, email theatreshow at stalbanspodcast.com. The St Albans Podcast Theatre Show, out every fortnight on Thursdays.